Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. Susan Douglas works with conscientious caring professionals who are great at what they do, but who are emotionally exhausted and struggling to focus on what they need to achieve. She's dedicated to empowering sensitive professionals, helping you set yourself up for success so you can deliver on what is important to you. And today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Susan, to our podcast, And we are going to focus on creating more flow in your work life and in your relationships, of course. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for coming to join us today. Hi, and thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. I'm so looking forward to this chat we're going to have. Uh, Before we start, um, can I just say that um, although we're going to be focusing on highly sensitive uh, people today, that all personality traits are important and they all come with their strengths and their challenges. And the formation of personality is a complex thing. It's part nature, what we're born with, and part nurture. And um, that the first five to seven years of a child's life are the most important. That's when the most shaping occurs. Um, But the great thing is when we know about our personality trait, it just makes life that bit easier because we know how we're wired and it just makes it so much better for us. That's right. I completely agree. Uh, uh, Susan, thank you for uh, bringing this into context because that's right. There's different levels of sensitivity and, and, and yeah, we need to put this into the context. So yeah, I'm excited to start asking you a lot of questions that I have today for you, Susan. <laughs> and the first question would be specifically to start with, what does the term HSP, highly sensitive people, refer to? Okay, um, highly sensitive people refers to the personality trait high sensitivity. And um, according to Dr. Elaine Aaron, there's actually about 20% of the population who are highly sensitive. And they're born with that trait, so it's an innate mm-hmm. personality. And I find that amazing because that means a whopping 80% do not have this trait. And um, so to put that in context, if you've got a family of five or a team of five in the workplace, there's the high potential that you're going to have one of these team members or family member um, highly sensitive. So that's, although 20% is still a large number, because against the 80%, it's actually still a minority So that may mean the highly sensitive person could feel different when growing up and potentially misunderstood. Yeah. Um, But the scientific name for a high sensitivity is sensory processing sensitivity, just so we get the scientific bit done. And uh, really that comes with the survival trait of observing before acting, which is a really good trait. Uh, depending on the situation, uh, because that means uh, we're guaranteed the species will continue to evolve. So, oh, that's right. Makes sense. 
Yeah, I'm very excited about this topic today with you, Susan, because uh, as I shared with you, when I met you, I'm a highly sensitive person and I definitely, definitely relate with everything to, to everything that you're saying here. As a child, it was not easy. This feeling of not feeling understood is just so, uh, it, it feels, it feels deep, you know, it feels so challenging. It can be, yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to share this interview with you today, this podcast, this 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 nice, exciting conversation that we're having here now together with all my clients, because some of them are also highly sensitive women, and also have I also have highly sensitive men. Okay, and interestingly, yeah. and I love working with these people. It's just so pleasurable as a highly sensitive person and I really really want them to listen to you today to to nurture their soul I'm sure they're gonna love listening to this and when I share it with them so I'm excited to keep shooting your questions (laughs) Um, so shall I tell you a little bit about the traits then of the high sensitivity let's go (laughs) yeah Okay, well, there's there's four traits, um, according to Dr. Elaine Aram, the psychologist who founded it, and um, these are depth of processing, which I'll go into, and emotional intensity, and sensory sensitivity. So I could just go into them a little bit. Please. Uh, with the depth of processing, that's where highly sensitive people really notice the small subtle things that's, that they're going on, you know, the connections, the patterns, and um, that others may not. And with that sort of information, you know, they're going to be highly reflective, quite insightful, good problem solvers, and quite imaginative. Um, Albert Einstein was actually highly sensitive, and he was very imaginative, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, but they also actually, if I could just digress a little, they also did think um, that Albert Einstein had autistic traits. Now, that was just another point I wanted to raise, that often traits of personalities can overlap with each other. So I just thought I would mention that. Um, but there are pros and cons to every part of the trait. So with decision-making, because we're so deep in our processing, decision-making can sometimes be a bit slow but the upside is it's usually a very considered decision, uh, which is a really good upside. Um, if the decision, sorry, if the depth processing keeps going on, you know, we keep thinking, okay, I could research that a bit more, we can get into the territory of overthinking and that can lead to analysis paralysis. And so it's just a matter of learning um, to notice when we're doing that and sort of pull ourselves back and zoom out to remind ourselves of the bigger picture and then let ourselves zoom back into the detail and just get used to doing that to try and avoid getting overwhelmed, you know, with the depth of thinking. And um, and because we have a real need to make sense of situations and meanings, even out of emotional situations, uh, we can make assumptions during that depth of thinking. And this is like, all personality types, we all make assumptions. But I think the important thing to try and remember to do is when we think about an assumption, what lens are we looking through? 
So if we take this pencil, and if we look at the pencil, I could be looking at this pencil in a very negative light, and I could see everything wrong with this pencil. Or I could look at it through a positive light, and it could do no wrong. It would be the best pencil ever. Or I could look at it with an objective, neutral curiosity. Look at that assumption with neutral curiosity. And it's more likely to be a correct assumption. And there's always sense checking anyway. But I just think it's just so important to step back. And this does go for every personality type, just to check the assumptions we're making. Because people do come from mainly good intention, don't they? And it can just be a clash of values um, and things like that that can get in the way. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And the other thing about deep processing is that sometimes we're not so good at the small talk, but very good at deeper level conversations. So we can feel uncomfortable with the small talk. Yeah. <laughs> and others feel the opposite, depending on their personality trait. Mm. Um, so then we've got the other ones, the overstimulation, emotional intensity and sensory sensitivity. And I'm just going to sort of lump them together in a sense. Um, sensory overload is really when there's just so much going on around us and we're getting overloaded with information it almost it's too much for us to handle and we can shut down physically and mentally and I don't know about you Rebecca if that happens to you um, but certainly my trigger is you know if I take the example I want to go for a conference like um, a CIPD conference at London Olympia I used to walk into these venues when they're really full of people, noise, smells, you name it, everything's happening in there. And I would just find my body shut down and my mind stopped working, just complete overwhelm. And I would look around and think, why is everyone else feeling this? Um, or I couldn't see anyone feeling this. And um, I was really grateful if someone was with me in the early days when I knew this, is, when I wasn't quite sure what was happening because they would sort of take me to the side, we'd go for a coffee or we would exit, you know, the venue. And then I realised, okay, I just get overwhelmed in some situations. So now I sort of take a step back and I think before I go, what do I need to do to go to the event, but handle it better? And it's just a matter of working out where are the coffee points, where are the quiet areas that I can go to just to decompress uh, so that's I'm just sharing that so as to encourage other people if they can work out their triggers. I love I love this book yeah. because I definitely feel uh, completely identified with this point. Uh, my my favorite place is just the toilet <laughs> where I end <laughs> when I end up sometimes <laughs> to decompress. Uh, but I've also learned to accept that I do feel over get overwhelmed in these places sometimes. Yeah. And I have accepted, I've learned to accept that yes, I'm sensitive. Yes, I have these challenges. And I also have other amazing gifts because of the this phenomenon. And I've also learned to identify, to breathe, <laughs> accept how I'm feeling and observe around and identify other ladies having the same experiences that I'm having at that time and just going to them and talk to them. Hey, how are you doing? Oh my God, I feel so overwhelmed, you know, all this music, all these people. And they are like, 
oh really because that's how i'm feeling and i'm thinking of course i know i can see you know i, I i've learned to do that and that's really great sometimes i don't find anyone so it's all good you know i stay in my place i go to the toilet i go take a walk around and then i come back and i'm good again <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I do something similar. Yes, <laughs> so I think it's good to have these strategies, isn't it? And uh, and good to share them as well. Yeah. Um. So the the uh, the kind of things that we pick up can be anything from facial gestures, facial expressions, tones of voice, moods, emotions, and uh, as well as the physical environment. You know, the noise and so on. And we can also pick up you know, in, in sensations inside of us as well. Um, so there's a lot going on, isn't it? You know, when we when we feel that sensory overload. Right. But I think so long as we have, you know, some strategies in place, we can certainly minimise it mm-hmm. um, as best we can. Um, the other thing I thought I would mention that can be quite draining is um, highly sensitive people can pick up the emotions of others quite easily, almost like a sponge, yeah. And I don't know about you, Rebecca, but I thought everybody did that and didn't realize that it was only, a, you know, a smaller percentage of people that did. And I used to think, why is it I'm the one that feels drained after sort of trying to do a culture change, you know, taking a team from unhealthy to healthy and feeling these emotions at the unhealthy stage? Why did other people not feel so drained after these sessions? And they were great. We always got to the other side. But, you know, that the emotions um, when you're soaking them in uh, can be draining, the, the low emotions. That's right. And, yeah. And it wasn't until I got some feedback from people that said, you're like an emotional sponge. Again, it was really useful to have that information because then we can put strategies in, face, in place so that we can um, decompress afterwards, but also set ourselves up for success beforehand, making sure we have the breaks and so on. That's right. I love this point, Susan, because, you know, when I started to work as a relationship coach specifically, Mm -hmm. before I was a hypnotherapist in London, but specifically when I started to work as a a relationship coach and the couples came to tell us, me and Matt, and we were together, to, to tell us their problems, their challenges, they, some of them are feeling so emotional. And containing their tears, you know, they don't want to cry. They don't want to be vulnerable to be seen crying. And I was wondering at the beginning, am I allowed to cry as a relationship therapist? Do I, can I cry now? Is this not going to be professional or, or what do I do? But it was so hard to contain those emotions of her that I was absorbing you know and eventually I came to terms I always do whatever I have to do I don't care if I look professional or not I just go with my intuition so and you know I allowed myself to cry and I realized that in me crying I'm giving them permission to cry as well which is actually the best therapy to feel I'm allowing them I'm inviting them to feel their feelings and to release them, express them, which they were not doing. They were not giving themselves permission. They were repressing. And that was already so healing, <laughs> just in the very first conversation. But I've also learned to change the meaning, to change the feeling. So instead of thinking, oh, my God, poor woman, what she's going through? This is horrible, you know? 
I decided to change the meaning and to start thinking, I'm so excited that this woman is here. She's going to have such a dramatic breakthrough that she has no glue yet. And mm-hmm. great that she's going through this because this is the end. You know, before a breakthrough, we need to break it down. And that's it. And this is what is going on. And then I start changing how I'm feeling. And, and I can help her and think because for the time that I'm emotional, I can't think clearly. I can't see the bigger picture, the patterns, you know. So definitely, a sponge sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for sharing that. And I think it's good that you cry because I think, you know, you just do what your emotions, you know, in these sort of situations because you're being authentic. And I think that's important, especially when you're doing the work you're doing. And people feel listened to yeah. when they know that you picked up on their emotion. They definitely feel listened to. And I think then when they felt they've been listened to, it's easier to implement the change they want to make. So, yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you for sharing that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think the other thing I wanted to mention still on the the empathy then, since we're talking about that as well, is there's a really good thing called an empathy spectrum that you probably heard of. Yes, I first came across it. I think it was in a, was it a Judith Orloff book or an article? She's very good. She's a psych, um, yeah, she works in the same arena as Dr. Um, Elaine Aaron. Anyway, the empathy spectrum, if we take this ruler. <laughs> so what we have here is at one end, we have a lack of empathy. Uh, so that's a, the sort of the narcissistic end. And then at the other end of the ruler, the other end of the continuum, uh, we have the highly sensitive person and empaths. And then in the middle, um, we have the majority of people. And from this centre point down to the highly sensitive person, we have the sort of the loving um, empathy, you know, so it's coming more from an emotional place. And from this end up, it's more a learned skill empathy. So it can be learned, but it's just a different approach. That's right. And I guess you, I'm sharing that because we have these traits and I think we should be happy and pleased that we do have some of these traits because they are so useful, they're such useful skills and scenarios that when you're trying to do transformational things with behaviours and so on and, and feelings, um, but also, if we look at other skills, such as big picture strategy thinking, a lot of people have that with a natural talent. And again, we can learn these things just by learning to zoom out for the big picture and zoom back into the detail. And so long as we are aware and conscious of these things, you know, we were able to, to learn new skills and add them to our personality traits. So I just wanted to share that anyway. I love that, uh, Susan. Thank you for sharing it because that's actually one of the the things that we share in our relationship breakthrough program with uh, people. And uh, the, the this bit of the spectrum from the narcissism to the high sensitivity, high sensitivity, and there's so many challenges in couples because this is a very interesting and typical combination of a narcissist and a highly sensitive person. Because both of them need to learn from both of them, from each other. 
Absolutely. That's yeah. the gift. That's the beauty. You could blame on the narcissist, but the narcissist has amazing gifts as well for the highly sensitive person, like learning to love themselves, learning to put themselves first, learning to meet their needs. So you tell us about that. It, it, I love you sharing this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, I think the other great thing about empathy is um, we have a really, and feeling deeply, is that we really enjoy nature and the simple things. We can feel so rewarded just by being in nature and get so much from that, whereas we would feel completely overloaded, potentially, um, usually, if we were to go in a football stadium where there's a lot of noise and crowds. So, you know, I, I think um, we get so much pleasure from the smaller things, and, and that's a, a really nice thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one of the other things I just wanted to mention is one of the things to look out for if you're highly sensitive is just to make sure your environment is helpful to you. You know, so if it is overstimulating to try and minimize all that and the more supportive an environment, the better uh, for sure. That's a very good point. Yes, sure. Yes. And, and also to work through our emotions. And that goes for anyone because emotions are just messages, aren't they? Uh, to be worked through and um, the other sort of things we can get with sensory stimulation is even being sensitive to the clothes we wear you know things like wool and so on that other people might not or food sensitivities Uh, so there's lots of things out there that um, and no highly too highly sensitive people are the same but we do share that sensory sensation that um that trade. Yeah. I, I love these points, um, Susan. I, what comes to mind is that I, 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 when I come across uh, a highly sensitive person, work, I'm working with them, um, you know, what I tell them is that they definitely need to have their own bedroom, their own bedroom. It's so important. Can you imagine? Look, normally when people uh, come to live together as a couple, uh, we start thinking in terms of practicalities. So one bedroom for both of us and then the living room and then the bedroom for the children. But that's not enough. Uh, I believe every person needs to have their own bedroom, wherever they are sensitive or not. But specifically, highly sensitive people, this is super important because they need their own space, their own energy. And they don't style as well in terms of feminine masculine energy. You cannot just put a, a couple in a room for the room of the man and the woman because they have a different style. The, you know, the minimalist, the masculine energy, black and white, gray. What are the rainbows, the stars, the, the colors, the expression of the feminine energy for the woman? But beyond that, how are the, the high sensitive person? They, they really need their own space to decompress, to reflect, to process their emotions, to clean their energy. It is a paramount. Any, anyone listening to this, get your own bedroom, honestly. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I think um, highly sensitive people do need that space and uh, and we need a lot of me time. And I think it's one of the things I really appreciate my partner having noticed in me that um he just seems to sense when I need a little bit of me time and just leaves me to it. And um, then I can go away and decompress or whatever I need to do, or reflect on something and learn something. But it's just having that me time, isn't it? Too? Exactly, Susan. And, and you know, it's with the other partner, 
doesn't have to take it personally. It's not about the other partner, you know, uh, they are wrong. We don't want to be with them. We just need to meet our needs of decompressing, processing, reflecting. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I found extremely helpful, probably the most helpful thing I've ever done, is actually meditation. And I find that hugely helpful. It's it's quite amazing. You know, you can feel um, centred within seconds starting that, once you get used to it and, and find your preferred way of doing it. Yeah. I, I love this, Susan, as well. This is one of the very first things that we share in our program. Is it? Awareness, yeah. We got the first module is called the Seeds of Love uh, to break the cycle of negativity. And, and the Seeds of Love have a word which is aligned. And every every letter is a is something, you know, it's a strategy. Mm-hmm. Yes. A stands for awareness. And in awareness, we definitely talk about meditation because it's so... It's so transformational, transformational and cleansing. It really brings our awareness, our, opens our consciousness. Yeah, I love it. It's incredible. Yes, yes. Um, so, yes, um, you know, the actual term, term high, highly sensitive person, um, actually came about um, by Elaine Aaron, Dr. Elaine Aaron. So she came she did a lot of research and came up with the term. I think it was in the mid 1990s, and um, and it's just grown since then. And you know, if there are highly sensitive people listening to this, I, if they haven't picked up one of her books, I would recommend it. Highly recommend it because I think it gives you such a good foundation and what the trait is. And I also think it sort of encourages you to think about how you can live and what's predominantly an insensitive world. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's such an honour to witness when a person has no clue about this term, this phenomenon, high sensitivity, high sensitivity and then you come up with, with this and you t- you you shared your what you know you know with the person like the other time the other uh, the last couple that we had the guy was a highly sensitive person and he didn't know anything of this but he knew how he was and the challenges that he was having and I picked up on that very quickly and I shared this book uh, of a line with him he read it in a heartbeat followed no. <laughs> it and yeah. now he's just transformed just. For just because he knows himself better. Yes. Because yes. of that. Just reading this book is just amazing. Yes. Yeah, because I think it's so easy to think, oh, I'm flawed or there's something wrong with me, isn't it? When actually we're just wired differently. Because I think a lot of us compare ourselves to other people and that's it's better just being in competition with ourselves, isn't it? And being the best we yeah. can be. Yeah. yeah and so, um, should we cover a little bit about the science bit? You know, what points should we know about and, and so on? And I'm just going to skip through this because um, we can always cover it at the end if there's more time. And um, and I do apologise if I mispronounce anything because you're dealing with a Scottish accent and you're also dealing with sometimes verbal dyslexia, so I will do my best. Don't worry, Susan. I'm <laughs> And I also have dyslexia. I have ADHD. Ah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, so, yes, we have a highly tuned nervous system. And um, 
there was some studies done, research in 2014, and they did a lot of MRI scanning of the brain. And they discovered there was about, I think it was six or seven, seven um, biological differences. So I will tell you what these are. And that's the serotonin transporter gene variant. And that's responsible for mood stabilization. The variant we have is not so good at the mood stabilization, but it's very good for um, my understanding is we can learn from experiences. So that's really helpful. Uh, then we've got the dopamine neurotransmitter, which is a slightly different variant. And that's the reward chemical. So we feel rewarded um, with the slightest stimuli. So, you know, out in the garden, just looking at wildlife, that is hugely, and we feel that hugely deeply and really get so much from that. But equally, that's why we struggle in those crowded conferences and the football stadiums and so on, because it's just too much. You know, we can only, that, when it goes above that threshold. Then we've got the noroponephrine, that's probably pronounced incorrectly, uh, gene variant. And I think that's about the emotional vividness we experience. Um, the more active mirror neurons, which is all about the empathy, that's why we have empathy, so much empathy. We've got more active mirror neurons than a non-highly sensitive person. Uh, then there's the ventromedial prefrontal cortex and uh, the strongly activated insula and the more active middle temporal gyrus. So as I say, we've got time at the end. You know, we could go into that a little bit, but um, I think it's sometimes the other points that are more helpful you know, for, for this um, yes. Makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that there's a lot of like uh, chemi chemicals, cocktails behind all these uh, challenges that we are having, and also gifts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um. So it's not a disorder, um, or a diagnosis. Diagnosis being highly sensitive. It's just something you're born with, and um, as you said earlier, both males and females can be highly sensitive. And both introverts and extroverts can yes. be highly sensitive. Um, but according to Lena and apparently uh, there's about 70% of introverts that are highly sensitive and 30 extrovert. Mm. And it is interesting seeing the difference when you meet them, isn't it? Yes. I know with the extroverts I've met that are highly sensitive, they're just so vocal about their emotions. And um, so you, you instantly know, although certainly ones I've worked with, um, which is quite helpful, and um, and with the introverts, it's it's more reflecting in the me time and then communicating. Communicating, yeah. That's, uh, that's a bit of a generalism, but it just it is generalism. I, I, other, I love this. Sorry, point. sorry. I love this point about the introversion and the extroversion because you know I've met a, a a few you know a few ladies who they have their own business. They're also very sensitive and very introverted, and some of them really. They're not doing well. And it's because they are stuck in this idea of I am an introvert. And yes, that's fine. You are an introvert. And you can learn to, you can learn to be an extrovert. And, and I like to say that because I have learned to become an extrovert when it's required. And it can be challenging, challenging sometimes. I sometimes I I can switch on and off, you know, from one to the other one easier, but sometimes it's more challenging, but I've learned to do this. 
and like to learn to speak in public, you know, and and you have to do it. If you have a business, you have to do certain things. Mm-hmm. You have to go to networking events. You are going to meet people. And, you know, sometimes as a coach, I need to break certain negative patterns with humor. So this is when my, when my, when my extrovert kicks in, you know, and so it's important to not to get stuck in the label. I am an introvert. Yeah, but I am a highly sensitive yes. person because I've seen a lot of groups in Facebook, Susan, of highly sensitive people who are just not taking ownership. Yes, I have a highly sensitive uh, sensitivity. I'm, I'm this, I have this thing going on, but I'm responsible for my reality. I need to work on this. I need to change that. I need to become more extroverted. I cannot just get stuck saying, yes, justifying, yes, but I am this. I have that. That doesn't solve the problems. And so what do you think about this, Susan? Um, Well, I think it doesn't matter what our personality trait is. Um, The only way we can change something is to take responsibility for it. And yes, do something about it. Add a learned trait. Um, or outsource it if we can't do it, you know, that sort of uh, thinking. But um, I think the only other thing I would be concerned about, if someone is really stuck and struggling, there could be another underlying issue, um, such as a previous trauma, be it acute or chronic, chronic, in which case, you know, there could be another intervention that's required um, Mm -hmm. to get there. So there could be some healing before the development. Definitely Um, that. that would be required yes for sure yes um but um if people are listening that think they might be highly sensitive they probably are if they've heard things in the past such as especially when they were a child or oh, you're so sensitive or you need to lighten up you're too serious yes, right. um it's cause of our deep processing and so on uh, you need to toughen up yeah, you know, so when we're decompressing, it can be viewed as you're not resilient. Actually, we're just coming down from, yeah, and um, yeah. and what I've had when I was uh, younger was I'm not sure you can handle conflict well, and you know that was actually quite good feedback to get because it just makes you think about well, what is it about the conflict? Is it the environment that the conflict's in? And you're just able to process that and work out how to do things better. So. I do find all feedback valuable, uh, but always do consider what lens is it coming from? You know, again, is it positive, negative, or is it neutral? And so on. Yeah, before I um, think about it too much. And um, I think another thing to bear in mind is that in some cultures, sensitivity can be viewed as a weakness um, or a strength. And uh, so in Japan, sensitivity is considered a strength, but in the UK and America, likely a weakness or potentially a weakness. Although I think more is being done to try and get leadership and having qualities such as kindness and so on in the workplace and creating more um, supportive work cultures to to bring out the best in different types of people. Uh, So that's good that that's happening. Uh, But also it's the same in family cultures, isn't it? Relationship, the home culture and small teams. um, Is sensitivity valued or not? And that can make it hard or easy for the highly sensitive person, you know, depending on the environment. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the work environment, 
Oh my God, <laughs> Susan, it's not easy, you know, when a highly sensitive person is at work and they see certain challenges to that, that certain problems that are going to come, they're going to have, you know, we're going to have problems if we don't resolve certain things. But the problem is that other people who are not highly sensitive, highly sensitive they don't see those problems. Absolutely. And then you need to endure all the the way through, you know, you need to wait for those challenges to come to the physical reality to happen eventually. So they see what you were already seeing long ago and they didn't listen to you. Yeah. And now you are like, I told you, I told you. <laughs> oh, it's so challenging. You yeah. see what's gonna happen, you see what's gonna happen, they don't see, they don't hit you, they are in denial. No, there's no problem. Boom. Okay, there you go. Again yeah. and again. How, what, what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think as a child, that's, um, that's quite impactful, isn't it? When that happens, you know, if you go to someone and say, I'm struggling with this, or this is, this is how I feel, or this is difficult. And then the adult will think, that's not a problem. That's right. And the child is left to work that through. I mean, at least when we get to adulthood and we've learned things along the way and we can get help if we need to, we can address these things. And once we understand what the treat's about, that just makes life so much better, doesn't it? Knowing what we can work with. And that's not a flaw. It's actually just how we're wired. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it's not a flaw and it's, um, and it's not something that can be undone either. It is just that natural um, trait. But as I said before, like any other trait, we can add some learned behaviours, which is really useful. And it's, it's just like driving a, cl- a car. You know, we start with um, unconscious incompetence and end up at unconscious competence at the end of the day once we've learned. And, and, um, and if we think of the trait of feedback, Quite a number of highly sensitive people have said to me that they struggle with feedback. I don't know if you do. Yeah, I, I used to. I still a little bit, but I've been working on that a lot. And I think I'm just doing so much better now. I did Excellent. struggle a lot. Yeah. Um, I have noticed that it's not just highly sensitive people that struggle with feedback. I think it very much depends on the culture of the family, whether you learned as a child to, yeah. to give and receive feedback or not. And if you didn't, well, you can learn as an adult. That's the fantastic thing. Um, but I do think for highly sensitive people, you know, when you're learning and um, to give and receive feedback, especially receive it, there's, um, you know, when you have sensations inside of you that thinking, oh, this is too much or you're feeling pain, uh, just knowing that it's coming from a positive place and um, and then it's well worth the pain just to get that feedback. So, you know, it's helpful. Yeah. Yes. So, so what what are the signs that you could be highly sensitive? How can our clients or the audience, our audience, uh, identify and you know find out if they are actually a highly sensitive person? Okay, well, some traits. Yeah, so I think that's a really great great question, and and do feel free to chip in because I'm sure you've got your thoughts on this as well. Um, but I think being overwhelmed in situations, uh, feeling so intensely, you probably get that a lot in your business, what you do, you know, with your clients. 
having a very rich inner world, you know, lots of patterns and thoughts going through our heads and um, finding change difficult. I think until you know about the change curve and how to get through it. Yes. Yeah. Um, feeling uncomfortable and even shaky around people. Do you ever get that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Particularly, you know, I feel very uncomfortable and very vulnerable in the presence of women who have a very strong uh, conditioning in their unnatural masculine energy because they have a nat- uh, natural, they feminine, their essence is feminine, but they've been conditioned into the, uh, into the masculine. So they, they're very aggressive, very direct, very matter of fact, you know, and, and I feel it so strongly and I feel very vulnerable. When I have, when I am in the presence of very masculine men, I'm not vulnerable because I think my femininity uh, inspires them to to be nice with me, you know, to be mm, to soften up. And but I I also feel very vulnerable in the presence of narcissists. And I can I'm a, a really I'm an expert, you know, detecting them because uh, I grew up with a few of them. <laughs> to put it in a nice way <laughs> and so I detect them so mm, quickly and, and I know how to deal with them and at the same time I still feel really really vulnerable even when I have to confront them to face them you know uh, in the short term before I get rid of them like I uh, whichever the situation it is you know that I mean I really feel really unsafe yeah. but I embrace the feeling and I breathe <laughs> and I deal with the situation. Yeah, I think that happens with a lot of highly sensitive people. It's almost as if it's the um, the complete opposite personality um, that makes us feel uncomfortable and uh, and even shaky. Um, so you can have a biological reaction as well. Yeah. And uh, so it's uh, just something to work on, isn't it, if that's, that's the case? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of another sign is me time, just needing tons of me time and sometimes difficult to get in busy lives, but um, <laughs> still needing it. Um, feeling different from others um, when growing up and misunderstood and um, masking our thoughts and feelings, you know, pretending things are all right, when actually they're not. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point, Susan. In the past, I I was not so confident as I am now. I, I can always do with more confidence, but I am in a good state, I think, now. But in the past, I was definitely feeling super unconfident in social situations, feeling awkward, picking up on people's feelings, my feelings, everything, you know, going on. And the worst thing was that I was still pretending that I was a confident person when actually it was obvious that I was not (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that pretending takes so much energy of yours of of yourself rather than just allow yourself to be genuine yeah I'm feeling uncomfortable and and that's yeah yeah yes and I think accepting we're uncomfortable it just helps anyway doesn't it cope better yes rather than trying to fight it or and get annoyed with ourselves, yes. And uh, I think the feeling misunderstood um, or alienated and uh, another sign is the emotional sponge. Yes, I love that feeling, uh, that that point, uh, Susan, misunderstood. Honestly, when I was a child, I was 100% sure that I was not uh, from this planet. (laughs) 
<laughs> this was my feeling. I know it sounds crazy, but that was my feeling, really. I started to have theories like maybe I'm coming from another planet and I was uh, I landed here as a human because I definitely don't belong to these humans. I'm not the same race, honestly. And that feeling is just so bad when you when people don't understand you. They don't understand it. Like everything you said, Sudan, like swallow your feelings, don't cry, um, just get on with things. Ah, it's not that bad. You are overreacting, blowing things out of proportion. It is so bad. People don't see what you see and, and therefore they don't help you. They don't protect you and you're feeling vulnerable when you're growing as a child. That is so challenging. When you are an adult, you can learn skills and be your own parent and protect yourself. Uh, look after yourself, nurture yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it can be a lonely feeling, can't it? Yeah. It you know, being misunderstood, yes. Yeah. Especially as a child, yes. Uh, I think the other signs are being an idealist. Um, so, you know, I had a dream, Martin Luther King, he was highly sensitive and he was very driven to... And make the world a better place and, and help other people. And that's quite a common motivation in highly sensitive people. So that's one way to recognize um, highly sensitive people being idealists. That's at the other end of the spectrum again. Uh, very imaginative, like your Albert Einstein and so on, very intuitive. And um, so we're actually better sometimes making decisions out of intuition uh, because we, we do risk overthinking and then overthinking too much that. Um, you know, we're doing something against the intuition and it doesn't work out as well as it could have. So it's worthwhile bearing in mind making decisions. What does the intuition say and what does the, you know, the, the deep reflection say? They're very perceptive, picking up all the nuances. Um, a bit of a truth seeker. So I was wanting to get to the bottom of why this is happening. You know, won't let it go. It's like a dog with a bone, isn't it? Until you yeah. get to the bottom of it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, a bit withdrawn when stressed. Uh, so I guess it's a bit like going into your cave and you know when you're stressed and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and also um, if we're under time pressure that can rattle us a bit yeah. and make it worse yeah. for us and uh, so we've got to just calm down and um, also that hyper empathy that's another sure sign yeah but, yeah it's a definite one yeah I love it. Amazing. I'm I'm enjoying this so much. I hope everyone listening to this interview right now is also enjoying as much as me. This is so I hope they, yeah, I hope they're getting value for sure. And I I guess if they've got any questions afterwards, they could contact you or I, you know, just sure. to the questions. Yeah. Exactly. Your best. Yeah. Yes, we are just doing our best. Yes. <laughs> What would you say, Susan, that are the natural talents uh, or qualities of a highly sensitive person? Okay. I would say that um, it would be empathy and compassion. Uh, it's the, a really top one. I perceive as one of the top ones because you can make fantastic connections with that natural skill and understand people or certainly want to understand people at a deeper level. And... Um, I think that aptitude of being able to pick up emotional states is just so, so helpful, especially in roles such as ours. So you're able to turn around relationships using that skill. And I use that skill uh, when we're looking at team dynamics as well as the other skills, obviously, like profiling and whatnot. 
Um, I think the other natural talent is the connections and the subtleties and the patterns, just noticing these things which help with the deep reflection and getting really good for problem solving, being insightful, good for ideas. And uh, these are very good for a whole host of careers, you know, such as coaching and development, therapy, uh, the sciences, technology, a whole host of um that would be good um, for that for that trait. And uh, other highly sensed people, just to give you a flavour of who else has been out there or is out there. And Nicole Kidman is highly sensitive. Oh. Uh, Catherine Hepburn, so quite a few actors. Mm. Uh, Gandhi, uh, Nelson Mandela, yeah. and Mother Teresa. So there's been quite a few. And, you know, and you can see that theme of making the world a better place, you know, whether it's large scale or small scale, it, it does seem to be quite a motivation and you know, with the entertainment as well. I love I love this point, Susan. I, I would also add Buddha. <laughs> I'm not religious, I'm not Buddhist, but I consider myself very spiritual and I've digged in into all different religions and all the main ones. Yeah. Really, I believe Buddha was a highly sensitive child. He saw things that other people are, were not seeing at the time, like doing sacrifices. This is not this is not the energy of love. And also uh, eating animals. This is not the energy of love because those animals have a soul as well. They ha- have feelings as well. And, and he saw that. And I'm saying, I'm using the verb seeing because he saw that with his third eye or I don't know, with his intuition. I believe that intuition, people with highly intuition, highly sensitive people should be paid the the most <laughs> in their work, jobs or businesses they should be really ha- well paid because because they see things that other people cannot see and and anything can be learned but the intuition is a it's natural and and you cannot put a price on that hmm. yeah I think if you look back in history uh, there's you know the highly sensitive person was something was quite often the sage you know, to the ruler, you know, because of their intuition and their perception, you know, their skill in that area. But equally, if you look back at another part of history, because of being misunderstood, um, you know, they could quite possibly have been demonized for that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I should not laugh because that's, but yes, it's quite a contrast, isn't it, from sage to, yeah, just depending, again, on which lens you're looking through. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking right now of the movie uh, Matrix. I think it's called the Oracle, that lady who sees the future. <laughs> and oh, um, yes, I think I know which one you mean. Um, the Matrix, is it? Yeah. Yeah. There's this lady who was uh, going to see the future and going to tell this the guy, the actor, if he was the one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, intuition and perception. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, yes. So, the biggest challenges, or yeah, the biggest challenges. Let's talk about the biggest challenges that highly sensitive yeah. people need to go uh, through. Yes, and again, do chip in because um, you know, um, you know this from your work as well as being highly sensitive. Um, but for me, I think. The biggest challenge is having and finding or creating the right environment for yourself. 
and this is especially so in childhood. I don't know if you've ever read um, the book by Thomas Boyd called, Boyce called The Orchid and the Dandelion. No, I love it's a, it. It's a very useful book. And the orchid is like your highly sensitive person and the dandelion is like your non-highly sensitive person. Mm. And in childhood, according to his research, the dandelion is more able to blossom in any environment. So it doesn't matter. You know, they're they're more able to, to um, get through pain and so on, mm. painful childhoods. But the highly sensitive child, the orchid, needs a rich, nourishing yeah. and loving environment as a child to blossom at an early age. Um, but as they get older, it's never too late to blossom. And that's a fantastic thing. So as an adult, it's about learning to create the environments that work with you and for you. Yeah, That is just so important. Um, you know, whether you have that work culture, if that's helping you and a lot of small changes that can help if you're in an open plan office, just finding a a quiet corner to work from, putting a few plants in your desk to sort of take out the distractions. There's a few little things we can do that make a difference or put our headphones on um, at work, certainly. I love this point, Susan. I would also add as a relationship coach, I love I love this conversation because you're bringing the professional uh, the the business side into this, and I'm bringing the relationship side as well. I would also say that as an adult, you get to choose who you are gonna live with. So if you have any narcissists around or less than kind people around you, out, clean your environment, uh, you know, um, clean your house. You know, swipe your WhatsApp, delete people because it's not, yeah. not it's not a loving environment. And yeah. you're gonna blossom, like you're saying. Actually, when you when you you know you become less because you just uh, some people when you get in touch with some people, you just become less, really. So you don't want that. So yeah, in your house, in your house. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can either blossom or we can shrink depending on the environment, can't we? And um, so, yeah, that is really, really important. And if I look back in my career, I blossomed and did really well. And I was a high performer getting the biggest bonuses at time when that environment was supportive. But when the environment was quite tough and almost toxic at times, and um, that was really difficult and um, I couldn't wait to leave <laughs> that. And I, and I think that's quite common among highly sensitive people. And I think just being aware of that helps us choose which environments to work in and so on. Yeah. And which relationships, as you're saying, they're, they're who to surround yourself with and who not to. Yeah. Yeah. So how are the biggest blessings? Um, again, I'm going to say it's got to be the empathy and the compassion again. <laughs> Okay. And um, that makes us makes highly sensitive people great listeners, you know, at quite a deep level, our different levels. And it can also make them really good leaders, really great leaders, uh, because they tend to take a step back when they're leading. They don't need to be the top dog or at the forefront. It's very much about creating that supportive environment, allowing people to speak freely and supporting their development and their progress. You know, that's that's what um, highly sensitive leaders are about, as well as obviously achieving the task. It's, um, you know, that balance. 
Mm. And I, th- I think another blessing is just experiencing nature and the lighter things of life at a very deep level and just being so appreciative and rewarded by that. And I think, I don't know about you, but standing up, um, you know, when others are in a situation that's unjust, you know, perhaps they're being bullied or something, actually yeah. saying something about it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes doing that more for someone else than actually doing it for yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, because so highly sensitive people are not very good at defending sometimes themselves. They yeah. Learn. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah boundaries and so on exactly exactly they need to learn that boundaries exist <laughs> they need to choose their boundaries and they need to put them in place and they need to keep them stick to them <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and um and i think the other thing is intuition you know and being able to trust your intuition when you're making decisions at times um as well as the deep reflective thinking and and try and sort of work with both of them to get the best decision yes um but um i think it was dr elaine aaron again that, that she said that um highly sensitive people are more soulful and spiritual so i think you know we although everyone can tap into their intuition if they choose to i think it's just clearer for us um yeah clear for highly sensitive people and i actually come across and you've actually said it as well a few weeks ago and I've heard other highly sensitive people say it I knew that was going to happen and then a couple of weeks later it does and that's just tapping into your intuition yeah that's right Uh, another sign yes that's right Mm. so so tell us Suzanne why is it so important to know about the qualities of the highly sensitive people okay uh, well if we look at different perspectives um, looking at it from a personal perspective, you, if you are a highly sensitive person, um, and this actually goes for all personality types, just knowing about your personality trait it just helps us navigate life better and um, we can just enjoy life more because we're playing to our strengths. Exactly. And then when we know what our challenges is, we can do something about that or not. It's our choice. And so self-awareness is so key, um, I'd say, on that one. If you're... In the workplace, I would say if you think you have a highly sensitive team member within your team, speak with them. How could you make it more supportive for them if required? It might not be. And the solution could be very simple, you know, just quite a slot place to work from. Um, you know, that might always be required. And if you're in a relationship, and please chip in on this one because this is your expert area, Uh, But I would say ask the highly sensitive person what they're thinking and feeling, just in case they're masking and pretending everything's okay. Um, But equally, we should be sharing our thoughts and feelings anyway, no matter what the personality type, Uh, because it is a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and just being sensitive to each other's needs. You know, if we need me time or if they need something, um, just meeting these needs, yeah, as best we can. Amazing, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Um, so another question that I would ask you, when do highly sensitive people reach out to you for help and why? Okay, are we okay for time, by the way? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, um, well, almost all clients come to me because they're overwhelmed, you know, they're stressed and they're not achieving what they want to achieve at work. Uh, they're, they're usually very caring, conscientious people 
and very good at what they do, but they're just in that spot at that moment. And um, so solution-wise, there's usually something we need to change about their environment. Uh, there's usually some old programming that we use, we have to work on that's maybe from childhood conditioning. And there's always a leadership or a management tool that they need, you know, just to help them up with, set them up with success. And they fall into three categories. And if we use a traffic light system, I can briefly explain that. Uh, so green is more when the business reaches out for some help. They have a high performing team member, um, a highly sensitive person who they think is at risk of leaving. So they just want some coaching and development to partly retain that person and you know find out what it will take to keep them. And that can sometimes just be more challenging work. You know, it just depends on their situation. So that's quite a positive place um, to be as a highly sensitive person. And um, then there's Amber, which is the, where the bulk of my clients fall into. And that's where they want to get to the next level in their career, whatever that means to them, but something's stopping them. So if I give you an example, and I'll change the name for confidentiality. Uh, so let's take Melissa. Uh, she with, used to withdraw in meetings, you know, senior level meetings where she was expected to debate to make good, solid company-wide decisions. You know, the company needed everyone around the table to debate to make to reach these good decisions but she would withdraw and she was not going to get a promotion unless she started to debate in these meetings so after coaching and developing with Melissa she felt that the meetings were just so aggressive and dominant and so that and there was a lot of sensory input because of that you know the loud voices um, the facial expressions, you know, forceful and so on. And that was just quite a lot with everything else going on, noticing every nuance. And also there was some background of when she was a child that she was mocked and ridiculed for what she said and how she said it. So there was a few elements there. And um, so we tackled the sensory overload for meetings using some NLP techniques and... But also we knew that some of the people who were slightly, well, not slightly, very dominant in the meeting were actually getting coaching as well to be less dominant, yes. which was really interesting, which meant that they were tackling a bit that we didn't need to, which was really, really good. And it was fantastic. The company recognised that had to happen. Yes. And we also dealt with the old programming from childhood uh, using NLP techniques as well as um, going in and working out the pattern, what happens, so that we could adjust the pattern um, of thinking and therefore adjust, you know, the behaviour. And we also covered leadership styles so that she could be differently depending on the situation. So, so that she eventually, not eventually, actually, she did eventually get her her promotion, which was fantastic. Uh, but within a month or two months, I think it was, she was debating in these meetings. Um, so that was fantastic. And lastly, the, the red traffic light. And fortunately, there's a few of these cases. And I say fortunately because I wouldn't want anyone to be this stressed. Um, but red is when you've got someone who's almost at burnout at work if they're not already burnt out. 
And um, so if we take Sophie, again, a made-up name for confidentiality, uh, Sophie was a senior leader and she her performance was still good, but her stress levels were, had caused her to burn out and her performance would have taken a dive had something not happened, an intervention. She had been dealing with a very toxic team. She had inherited a very difficult team. So that was a lot of sensory overload that she was dealing with. Very draining for her. And uh, she was also trying to get a strategy paper out. And the company wanted her to get this strategy paper out. It was very, very important as well as dealing with the stress. And uh, she was also coping with the day-to-day operational work. So we had to approach it using the sort of the masculine and the feminine bit of here and solutions. But she had also experienced trauma as a child, you know, emotional neglect, emotional abuse and sexual abuse. And um, although she had had therapy for that, unfortunately, some of the behaviours in the team had triggered that. So part of the solution involved her going to therapy again for that part of it. And I took care of the, the present and the future, which was very much about dealing with the programming we could deal with. Uh, from childhood that um, that the therapist wasn't really dealing with and also dealing with the strategy side of things, helping her zoom in and zoom out to get what she needed to get done. She wanted to leave the organisation though. She was so burnt out, had such a negative association with it. She knew she wanted a positive environment. And as much as I would have loved her to stay because I knew the company wanted her to stay, I think you've got to respect someone's wishes. And um, the company kindly came up with a compensation package for her just to help her so that she could move on at her pace. So the strategy paper got done and I helped her rebuild her confidence so that she could move forward. And, um, you know, and therapy-wise, she she continued to work with that therapist. So I think... um, Sometimes it's good to admit defeat so that you can, you know, from an organisation and just realise there's a better place out there for, you know, my threshold, sensitivity threshold. And uh, it worked out for her. She did move on and she got a very senior role and it's a much better environment for her. So so that's a case of um, the highly stressed. That sounds amazing. Executive. Yeah, sounds amazing, Susan. Like you're helping a lot of people. As as I said to you when I met you, I wish I had met you before. <laughs> when when I was working in London in my previ in my last job that I had before I became a hypnotherapist, I was surrounded by narcissists. All my team, other supervisors, and some baristas, and some managers. And I had to step up, really. And I I really felt trapped. And and I, I'm telling you this story because um, this lady wanted to leave. So sometimes it's so, it's so easy to say, you know what? I'm just going to leave this partner, this toxic partner. Or I'm going to leave this job. I'll find another job. But what I say to my clients is that we can run away from places, situations, from people, from our partners, jobs but we can never run away from ourselves because wherever we go we're gonna carry ourselves with ourselves absolutely and we and we need to allow the narcissists to or the you know toxic um colleagues at work or partners 
allow them to teach us what we need to learn from them because they are very good at taking, asking, getting, you know, and, and normally we're not good at meeting our needs, putting ourselves first. So maybe we can allow them to inspire us and to raise our voice, to confront conflicts and confrontations in a loving way, to speak up, to, to say, to give our opinion, to express our feelings. And when we do that, things change miraculously. They call it miracles. But when we change ourselves, you know, other things change as well. Yeah. So what happened is that some colleagues left, some managers uh, left as well. Uh, some of the narcissists actually became my best friends. It's just incredible. And instead of blaming, which is something that we can easily do because it looks like the other people are the bad ones and we are the good ones. But, you know, we can yeah. be victims forever and that doesn't solve the problem. I think that's a very, very important point. It's it, The blaming is just not helpful to anybody. And um, and I think it's about taking responsibility, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it's not rather than thinking who's to blame, it's really how can I be accountable for turning it around? Because that's all we can do as individuals. And if we can get to a more powerful place, we can deal with things better. And um, But I think there does come a point as well as how long it's gone on for and also what's your future goals and actually does this play into them? And sometimes it will and sometimes it won't where you are. Um, but yes, I think that's a really, really important point is get some empowerment um, skills behind you for sure. And it puts you in a better place and hopefully it prevents getting to that and some boundaries as well learning how to do that yes that's right and I also love what you said before that before we empower ourselves we need to heal ourselves yes we let go and then um, uh, download a new software let's say install <laughs> because, absolutely yeah normally when we when we have these challenges at work or with our partners it's just one more time. We've had them before with an ex-partner, with in another job, usually with our parents or a sibling, a brother or a sister. And we need to go back to the past to heal that little inner child. It's still waiting for an apology, for a hug, to feel safe. And now we can give ourselves that to our inner child, children and heal them and let go. And then we can just empower ourselves, as you said. I love that point. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, so I got another point in Susan. To help highly sensitive people reduce struggles and create more flow in their lives, in their home, in their work life, what could be one thing that you could encourage highly sensitive people to stop, to start, and to continue? Okay. Well, I think the first thing is to stop blaming uh, yourself or doubting yourself, berating yourself, because it's quite easy to do that, you know, think you're at fault. And again, it's, it's playing the no fault game and just thinking, what can you do? Uh, so step back, breathe, and just use the same empathy and compassion that you would use with other people on yourself. It's, Set, so stop uh, the blaming and the doubting 
I think start growing um, even more your self-awareness because that's self-awareness that gives you choice and that helps you minimize your struggles and um, increases more flow in your work life. Uh, So depending on your situation, that could be just being able to move to a different office so that it's quieter, more productive for you. It could be creating a new boundary that was spoken about, or it could be increasing your self-care routine, which we can sometimes forget about if we're so busy, so that you have more me time to to refresh and recharge. You know, perhaps start meditating. And um, But we get such a lot from, and so many people do. And I think one of the most important things, though, is to continue being you, you know, being your highly sensitive person and just enjoy your natural traits, just like any other person can enjoy their personality traits. That's right. I love that. Embracing. I love it. Mm -hmm. So how can people connect with you? Well, I think if I've got any questions about what we've been discussing, they could contact either of us if that's okay with you. But if yes, if they do want to contact me, it would be a pleasure to speak with them. And so if they want less struggle and more flow in their work life, just head to my website, which is worklifeflow.co.uk and just book a free needs analysis meeting. And uh, we can talk together about how to, to achieve less struggle and more flow in their work life. And for the first um, five people that do sign up, I will give them, in addition, a free personality profiling report and um, because that will give them further insight into their personality. That sounds amazing, uh, Susan. So everyone listening to this right now, just don't... Yes, right now. <laughs> ...the opportunity. Yes. <laughs> don't miss that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Susan, I think I have, I have so many more questions uh, for you, but it, this is just getting too long. So maybe we're going to meet another time. <laughs> it has gone on for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really love this uh, conversation. I really appreciate your time for our audience. And, and really, I wish everyone who has listened or listened to this uh, conversation uh, makes the most of it and really trans transform their lives just like we've transformed ours just by understanding ourselves better well it's been a pleasure speaking with you so thank you very much rebecca much appreciated you're welcome susan thank you mm-hmm. catch up with you later Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.